0: And amen. You'll go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, Wednesday evenings, we've started up again. All is right in the world. And the majority says, huh? Um, So, um, I just wanted to make this available to you. Rick Renner came out with a... um, well, it's kind of a, a devotional. It's a long devotional every day. Um, but he had uh, um, sparkling gems. It's from it's Greek words, and every day he deals with a Greek word. And um, he had uh, one come out, and now this is two. And so if you're interested in that, because it's, it's just, it helps you understand some of the deeper meanings and so forth. Um, when he was going to come out with it, I pre-ordered a you know, a, a box of them. And so um, normally the book is $50. Um, of course, you can wait five years and you'll get it for 25 any place you turn. But because it's new, it's, it's, that's the price for it. Um, but because I got them in bulk, um, I, I'm selling them. Tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, I'll sell it to you for 30 bucks. And so anyway, I think I got about uh, nine or ten of them or something like that. So if you're interested just um, let me know and we'll um, make sure that you get one. And then um, I told some people that our our study was gonna be um, starting tonight and that we're gonna be looking at the book of Ephesians and so I always kinda like to go ahead and so I had two of the lessons just about completed and I realized that about a year and a half ago I'd done a study on Ephesians. So we're, we're doing it on Colossians. And so if you've got your markers in the book of Ephesians, you've got to go over to the next book and, and start in the book of Colossians. Um, I like to periodically <clears throat> go through one of the books of the Bible just in chronological order because I believe it gives us a, an understanding of the book. You know, A lot of my teachings and a lot of people like to teach um, topically, and uh, I think that's always really important. Uh, but I think it's also important that periodically we go through um, the books of the Bible and get it verse by verse and get the understanding and so forth. Now, there's only four chapters in Colossians, but it's probably going to take us, you know, eight to twelve weeks to get through of it through it, um, because even though we're we're doing it verse by verse, um, when we hit topics periodically, um, we're just going to park there for a while and and study and and take a look at it. Even tonight, we're going to be looking at some things. So um, we're going to begin, and I want to give you a little bit of uh, background, as it says in the notes, overview of the uh, book, book of Colossians, because I think it helps us to understand what the writer is really telling us when we can understand the circumstances around it a little bit. You know, because we need to understand that, you know, these epistles, these letters that are written um, by the Apostle Paul or whoever it may be, um, they are letters that are written to these churches. And, and many times within um, these letters, they're dealing with uh, particular issues that they're dealing with. You know, especially you see it uh, when Paul writes um, to First and Second Corinthians dealing with, with issues. You know, I think of in particular uh, when we, when, you know, the 13th chapter was it's talking about um, communion and so forth, um, that they were abusing it. And so along with the instruction that he gave concerning uh, communion, he also dealt with the abuses that were there. And so that's one of the reasons why it's important for us to 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 see the history of the book, where the book was written, why it was written, to understand that there's more to it than just, you know, Paul sat down one day and decided to write a letter. Um, There's purposes behind it. And so, looking at the book of Colossians, um, the author, of course, is the Apostle Paul. Um, That's very clear, uh, because he gives his name as being uh, the author, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he tells us right there, now the time frame of it, it's somewhere between um, 60, 61 A.D., someplace in there. It's it's, it's actually uh, the same time period that he book, wrote the book of Ephesians and Galatians and, and uh, Philemon, uh, Philippians, uh, because it's when he's imprisoned. And uh, he's in prison because of what he is preaching and what he was teaching, and so, uh, He had a lot of time on his hands, you know, and so I I guess we can make the most of it no matter what circumstances we're in the midst of. And here Paul is, he's in prison. One of the things that we see, and and when we get towards the end of the book, some of the names that he names, if you remember Paul when he writes a book, when he gets to the end of the book, he always says farewell to a lot of individuals and so forth. Uh, Well, sometimes the individuals that he's saying farewell to are... Uh, individuals that were actually his guards because he's under house arrest. and so at, at all times he's he's chained to a guard. And what we find out is that many of these individuals that he was chained to over a period of time, um, they got they got saved. Uh, they got born again. And uh, so uh, he didn't he didn't waste his time there. but he's he's writing to the church. And so, here where we begin to talk about writing to the church in, in, in Colossia, uh, there, there was a reason for the book. And a lot of the, the believers were getting caught up in Gnosticism, um, school of thought. And uh, they, they, they considered um, the flesh to be wicked. You know, and I think sometimes even in the church today we get the idea um, that the flesh in and of itself is wicked. Well, the flesh has fallen. The flesh isn't wicked. It's what we do with the flesh. And, uh, you know, and so that's why, you know, when we get born again, we don't get a new flesh. We still live in the same old body. But we, we, we live in righteousness because the flesh itself isn't evil. It's what we do with the flesh. And so Gnosticism they had the idea that, that flesh was even, e- evil. Some of them went to the extreme um, to where they would say, it really didn't matter what you did with the flesh. You know, you might as well go out and sin because it's no good anyway. And uh, again, I, it isn't too far from what some people believe today. Well, it doesn't really matter what we do. Well, we, we're, it does matter what we do because as born again believers, uh, we, we follow after the Lordship of Jesus and uh gnosticism it it deals with knowledge knowledge is important you know don and i were actually talking about it today you know how important it is for us to to get our minds renewed Uh, but our minds have to be renewed to the word of god you know because you get a you get a totally different view of the world uh if you if you look at what the bible has to say and if you look what cnn or fox has to say Gives you a total different view of things around about us. You look at, at Fox and CNN, and you're gonna end up with a sense of hopelessness. Um, that, you know, there, there's nothing that we can do. This, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, not all of it. You know, because I know one that's going to heaven. And I'm not going in a handbasket either. I'm good, you know, if Jesus tarries, man, I'm gonna just split out of here at the speed of light. It's gonna be so cool. You know, I mean, <clears throat> there, there's really only one reason that I wanna live t- out to the rapture, and that's to experience it. I mean, people talk about skydiving. Can you imagine going the opposite direction at the speed of light? Uh, I, I don't know, I, I just happen to think that's probably gonna be pretty awesome. And I'm scared of heights, and I'm still looking forward to it. You know, and, and so it's, it, it's, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be good. And so, Paul, also in this book, one of the things that we see um, is Ephratus is the uh, pastor there. And he basically puts a stamp of approval. We're going to see it when we begin the book. He mentions him. And then when we get to the end of the book, he mentions him again. And and basically what he's doing is he's giving giving a stamp of approval. Now... Basically, even though he's, he's writing to a city, he's talking to a region. What's interesting about it is that Paul is writing this letter to the uh, Colossians, but he, but he was never there. You know, he was in Philippi, and he was in many of the other cities. Um, but Paul actually wasn't um, in that city. And so, as I saw one commentator put it, said Paul was more of a grandfather than a fa- father to the faith in, in that particular uh, city or region because um, he had never been there himself. Now, there's a group of three cities, Laodicea, and we're familiar with, uh, with that, Colossae and uh, Hippolys. I don't know if that's pronounced right, but it doesn't really matter because you don't know yourself, <laughs> you know. You know but, but the thing about it is, is it was, uh, um, it was economically and so forth, it was, it was a prosperous area, and they traded amongst themselves and so forth. And uh, again, from the commentaries that I read, um, they believed that one of their main industries was, was wool. And so this, th- there was this chism or this feud that was arising between um, the shepherds, who were usually, uh, you know, they were the laboring force, they were the poor people, um, they lived outside the city and so forth, but there was a feud between them and, and the business folk. And the business folk, even though the shepherds were poorer and so forth, the business folk were more uh, wealthy, And so there was, a, there was a chism between them that was arising. And so that's another one of the things um, that, that Paul was addressing. You know, you, you would think, you know, we're, we're always so surprised. I mean, I hear it all the time from, from people. Why can't churches just get along? Well, we're, you know, we're, we're 2,000 years after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, and there is a lot of stuff within the church. But think about this. Paul is the first generation after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you read through his letters, one of the things that you find is much of what Paul is writing about is dealing with chisms, dealing with feuds, dis- dealing with disagreements amongst people. You know, and so when you think about that, we've been at this for 2,000 years, maybe, maybe it isn't as bad as sometimes we think it is. It isn't where it ought to be, but maybe it isn't as bad as oftentimes we label it as being. And so this is one, another one of the things that, that Paul is dealing with in this book is the, uh, the chisms that arose, the disagreements that arose between um, uh, the poor people, the shepherds, and the business folk. Now, what you find when you read some of the history of it is that it was, uh, it was the business folk, it was the wealthier people that got into the Gnosticism and so forth. You know, <clears throat> I've, I've found from experience, now, now everybody knows I'm not anti-education, amen? amen? You know, I, I, I believe in education, I believe it's important, but Oftentimes, people get educated beyond their intellect. In other words, uh, they think they're smarter than God. And and so oftentimes, people that are highly educated, it's really difficult to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ because um, they think everything through. And whether we like it or not, there's an element of the gospel where it requires faith at a certain point in time, we have to say, I believe God. I believe what the Bible says. I believe that it is truth. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to get to that place. Now, the thing about it is, is once we've done that, as we go along, we begin to see more clearly the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, uh, faith is difficult for for individuals. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And and oftentimes in in education, we want we want the evidence and then we'll believe it. The difference between that and the gospel is we believe it and then we experience. Did you catch that? We experience the evidence. I don't know about you. Uh, when I got born again, I didn't necessarily see the evidence of the born again experience. But for the the past 40 years, I've experienced the evidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where oftentimes, especially with the, the intellectuals and so forth, that's where the difficulty comes in. And so, Paul's you know, basically, writing this, or he spread the gospel in that area, in his in his second missionary journey. If you look to the back of your Bible, and you, you got your maps back there, and you look up uh, the maps of Paul's missionary adventures and so forth, uh, you're going to see three of them. You know, and so there's the first one, and then then the second one. He went through this region, and that's not necessarily to Colossae. But he he went into the region and he preached in Laodicea and and those areas. And, uh, you know, I was gonna preach, uh, teach on Philippians, you know, and and one of the things that happens in the book of Philippians is that that, uh, Paul goes to the um, pillars of the church in Jerusalem. Of course, you know what a pillar is, don't you? Pillar is something that's cold and hard. (laughs) you know and oftentimes in our churches we have pillars you know but anyway just a little humor amen you got got to laugh at ourselves a little bit you know but of course we're all thinking of somebody else aren't we you know <clears throat> but but anyway so he they they got the word from from uh the leaders in the church that to the gentiles because remember Paul's ministry was basically to the gentiles it's interesting Paul was a Jew of Jews. He was was, uh, a Roman citizen. He studied studied Judaism and so forth. And so logically, God called him to the Gentiles. And so then he takes Peter, uh, the uneducated one, who's a fisherman, a labor man, and he takes him and he sends him to the Jews. You know, it's kind of like taking a plumber and calling him into the ministry. It makes absolutely no sense. But, but that's, how, that's how God does things. He uses the most least likely. Mm-hmm. You know, and so each and every one of us, we look at ourselves and we see all of our, 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 our inabilities, our, our shortcomings, our failures. And we look at it and we say, God could ever use me. No, it's because of that that God's able to use you. Because he can use you in an area that, that we're not confident in. And so it happens and at that point, we have to put our dependency completely upon him. And so um, so Paul, uh, this educated man, is called to the Gentiles basically the uneducated, uh, to share the gospel, the good news to him. So anyway, they get the word, you know, that they're, they're not to lay on the Gentiles all the rules and regulations that they, they laid upon, that, that, are, that are forced upon the Jews, you know, that they're to, what is it, eat the right foods, you know, not eat the right foods, but um, there was just a couple things. I can't think of what they are right now. Re- yeah, things to blood. And, yeah, read Ephesians and find out for yourself. You know, and uh, because it'll stick with you just like it stuck with me. You know, <clears throat> and uh, but anyway, so Paul and Silas have been traveling together and they're going to go back and they're going to um, share this in all the churches that they've gone to. What, what, what the word that came down from the Gentiles. And what's, what's interesting is here's a chism bep- between Paul and Silas. They get into a fight, they get into an argument. Because Silas wants to take Bartimus, who is Saul, with them, I mean Mark, with them. And he, am I right on the names? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, Paul wasn't about to do it. And so they had a separation. They each went their separate ways. Listen to me, if, Two apostles in the kingdom of God can have a disagreement, go their separate ways, and eventually come back together. You know what? We can too. And so when we when we see disagreements, when we see chisms and separations, let's not allow them to totally dominate our life. But let's get back to what's really at hand. And so when we when we're looking at the Gnosticism, it was basically made up of three religions that were brought together. They combined them to make a, a doctrine. It was made up of Greek philosophy, of uh, legalism in Judaism, and oriental uh, duology and duological stuff. And so they brought it all together, used their intellect. And what it'll do is it'll always, what, this is how you can tell if you're, getting drawn down the wrong path. It'll always take your eyes off of Jesus. And the number one thing that it'll get your eyes on is it'll get your eyes on yourself. It'll get you to, to begin to think that you're really something. Well, you are something, but it's not what you probably think it is. You know, but re- remember, Religion, by definition, because Christianity, by definition, isn't a religion. It's called one of the, what, four great religions or whatever. But technically, Christianity is not a religion because it's a relationship. And that's what separates it from religion. Religion is man's attempt to get right with God. Christianity is what God has done to make man right with Him so that we can have intimacy, so that we can have fellowship, so that we can have harmony with Him. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up too. See, we are actually going to look at the Bible tonight. We're going to start in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, we're, we're, we're hoping to get through the first two verses because... Though That's basically the introduction. We'll get a little more done than that uh, next week. Uh, But Christians are to grow and apply the revelation knowledge of God's will and produce fruit in their daily lives. That's what Christians are supposed to do. Let me read that again. Christians are to grow and apply revelation knowledge... You know, there's, there's knowledge and there's revelation knowledge. You know, you, you can read a, a certain passage for years and you can have knowledge of that verse. And all of a sudden, one day, that verse comes alive to you. What you just received was revelation knowledge of the Word of God. You know, John 3.16, I, I grew up going to church. I mean, I had to memorize that verse when I was going through... Uh, catechism and everything else. You know, so, so I knew John 3, 16. But it wasn't until I heard the gospel preached and that verse used in context that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That that verse became alive to me. And for the first time in my life, I was about 24 years old at the time, for the first time in my life, I understood that God truly loved me. It wasn't just a theory out there someplace. It wasn't just something we would talk about in church. It wasn't just something that was read in the Bible. I realized that God loved me and that He loved me so much that He made the ultimate sacrifice to give His Son for me. That's, that's revelation knowledge. You know, <clears throat> remember when... Uh, uh, began to get a, a revelation of healing. You know, I'd read all the scripture passages on healing uh, many, many times. But uh, the day that I, I came to the realization that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. It wasn't just that I was taking knowledge and applying it in my life. It became a life to me. You know, why do, we, why do we talk about, you know, in Joshua one eight? it says that we're to Meditate on the word day and night, for then you'll make your way successful, you'll make your way prosperous and you have good success. Why do we meditate on the word day and night? And I know we can't walk around with this in front of our face all the time, but you know what? When we read the word of God, we may not know chapter and verse, but those verses are on the inside of us, and we in whenever situation that comes up, that can come up out of us. But the reason for it is so that it's more than just information that we've poured into our head, that it becomes a revelation to us, that we understand that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. Nobody can convince me um, that I'm not saved. The reason for that is the revelation knowledge of the Word of God. We can go through several passages that would talk about that, but it's not just knowledge in my head. It's revelation. It's been revealed to me. I know that it's true. But you know what, the same thing is true concerning healing. To the extent that I can die of an infirmity, and I'll still believe it's God's will to heal me. Because the truth of God's word isn't based on my experience. It's based on who God is. And God's not a man that he should lie. And when he says that by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed... By the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. And we have to be so convinced of that. You know, that's not to say that, like I said, you know, something comes upon me and takes me prematurely. Uh, It's not going to be God's will. Uh, I'm still going to be saved, but I'm still going to believe that it's His will. Well, Pastor, isn't that false hope? No, that's hope. False hope is when you lose hope, you know, uh, and we have, a, we have a world that's full of hopelessness because we've stolen the, the hope from them. You know, when you know that God loves you unconditionally, that gives you hope. That gives you hope that, that, that not only that He loves you, but knowing that He loves you, he's, he's working to produce change in your life. So those areas that you're struggling with is because of the love of God that you're eventually going to experience the victory in each of those areas. And so, uh, Christians are to grow and apply revelation knowledge of God's will to produce fruit in their daily lives. You know, this Christian life, if if it's only good on Sunday morning, then as far as I'm concerned, it isn't any good. It's got to it's be something that works every day of our life. The Word of God has to be applicable for every circumstance, every situation that I encounter in life. Otherwise, it's of, excuse me, it's of no value to me. But it's of tremendous value to me. Because it's God-breathed, and because it's God-breathed, every jot and tittle is going to come to pass. It may not always come to pass in my life, but it's there to come to pass. And the potential is there for it to come to pass in my life. Well, we ought to get happy about that. I'm not happy that my thing just died on me, but there we go. Um, God desire, God's desire is that we walk through trials with patience, which strengthen them and cause them to be encouraged and a witness in the world. Are trials going to come our way? Yes, they are. You know, everybody that tells you, you know, because I, I, you know, I mean, when I first got saved, I thought I'd really missed it because, you know, I had the impression that uh, I'll pray that prayer and I'll receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and all my problems will disappear. Well, the next morning I got up and Becky was still there. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. It's on tape. Don't, it's on tape. I'll get a hold of that. No, but, but, but see, there's an element of truth to that. You know, because thing, things weren't, weren't what they ought to be in our relationship. I woke up the, deck the next day, I was still a plumber. You know, a lot of the things that I struggled in, in, in life with, they were still there. And so I had the impression, well, they, they, they lied to me. They said, all my problems would disappear. You know, Becky and I still had the same issues. That we'd had the day before. I still hated plumbing just as much as I did the day before. Still had financial issues and everything else, just like I did before. But then I began to realize something. It isn't that all my problems disafi- disappear. It's that I have the tools to deal with any problem that encounters me in life. I have the tools in the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to deal with it. And so you've got, you've got issues in your life that you're dealing with today. Well, Pastor Dave, how do you know that? Because you're breathing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, it's a good thing. But all of us do. And you know what? We're going to until we see Jesus face to face. And so there, there, there's always going to be room for improvement. And so, but he gives us the tools that we need. And so we we approach the word of God with patience. What's interesting in the scriptures is faith and patience are always used in, in conjunction with one another. Faith worketh through patience. Why is that? Well, because faith calls those things that be not as though they were. And so we don't see the manifestation of it yet, but we know that it belongs to us. And so the patience comes in, the long-suffering, as King James put, puts it, the patience comes in that we persevere until we see the manifestation of it. Well, how long is that? Well, probably, as Jerry Seville said, probably just a little bit longer than you think it should be. You know, uh, we, we went everything yesterday. But we, we, we believe until we see the manifestation of it. And we don't quit because we have the promise of God's word and God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to you and I. And the reason that we can depend on him is because we know that he's going to be faithful to his word. And so as Smith Wigglesworth said, the Bible says that I believe it and that settles it. That's where it needs to be in our lives. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it for me because the Word says it. Um, Christ is the visible image of God who is invisible. And He created both heaven and earth. In other words, everything is in His power. And that's why we can trust Him um, completely. It was through the shed blood of Jesus that we've been reconciled to God. Nothing that we did. was there anything that we could do to earn it or deserve it. Every one of our efforts to earn it or deserve it just drove us, drove us further away from God. But it was all because of what, what Jesus did. And so we, we take his word, we believe his word, we stand upon his word, and we see the manifestation. And so it gives us a hope and a future. You know, I, I loved the, uh, um, the second orphanage that we went to when we were down in Honduras uh, because... Um, initially, I didn't quite understand uh, because their their logo is an anchor, and I'm thinking, here you are on top of a mountain, and your logo is an anchor. You know, logically that didn't make a whole lot of sense until I saw their their motto, and their motto was faith, hope, love. I don't, I don't know if they used those words, but it, that's basically what it was. And Scripture says that hope is the anchor to our soul. And so it's that anchor to our soul. It's that hope that gives us a future. And so here we are in this orphanage and these young people, and they have a, they have a future because they have a hope. That's what that anchor represents. It represents hope. You and I, we have a hope and a future because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us. So, let's read Ephesians 1. We're, we're not going to read a whole lot of scripture tonight, so, so. Huh? What did I say? So you really tuned in tonight. Colossians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Paul, an apostle, apostolos in the Greek, and it means um, a sent one. And uh, Paul was a sent one, and, and, and we know that he was, he was sent to the Gentiles. Now, in a lot of churches, they don't, they don't necessarily recognize the ministry of the apostle today. Um, in most denominations and so forth, You you recognize the evangelist and the pastor and a little bit of the teacher. But um, they they recognize more the teacher, the pastor-teacher, and not so much um, the teacher. But but there's two other offices. If you look at Ephesians 4.11, it says that uh, God placed in the church the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Then it goes on and says that they're there for a specific purpose for the equipping of the church, for the work of the ministry, to the edifying of the body of Christ, to become uh, a mature one man. And so I believe um, for a church to mature, to be what it's supposed to be, it's got to draw uh, from the fivefold ministry. You can't draw from just simply one ministry. And so people would say, but there there is no apostles today. The the last apostle, you know, the apostles died out with the last, uh, one of the 12 disciples, which were the the apostles and so forth. And when they died, that that was the end of it. Well, the apostle is a sent one. And so really, our apostles today, are, are probably more like our missionaries because they're sent ones. <clears throat> they go and they, they start a work. They oversee that work. They, um, they watch over that work. They guard that work. And so I believe that there's, there's apostles um, alive today, prophets. Prophets don't carry the same um, responsibility that the Old Testament prophets did because we've got the Word of God. You know, and so the Old Testament prophets, what they did was they, they spoke for God. But yet, there, there's, there, there was always an element of revelation that's involved in it. And I believe that we have prophets today, and uh, oftentimes if you listen close enough, you, you'll catch that in their, in their preaching. They may not be standing up in front of you saying, thus saith the Lord, but... Um, they're, they're speaking out for God. You know, when, when Brother Hagen was alive, it was an amazing thing. I could take a 45-minute teaching of his and I could get five or six sermons out of, out of one teaching. And the thing that was so ironic about it is his, his teachings were so simple, but they were so full of revelation. You know, because there was just, there was just life that was there. You know, and I, I believe he was He was speaking for God, bringing revelation that the church needed. I mean, the revelation that he he brought to the church was God spoke to him in the beginning of his ministry and said, um, teach my my people faith. And so you find something that about Brother Hagan is in in his entire ministry, he never strayed from faith. He would teach on love, but he'd end up talking about faith. He'd teach on prosperity, but he'd end up talking about faith. He'd talk about the family, but he'd end up talking about faith. Because that was the revelation message that God had given him to bring to the church. And we have the, we have the same thing today. You know, I, I listened quite a bit to Creflo Dollar and, and, and Andrew Womack. And uh, their, their message of grace, their message of grace isn't just taking a few words out of out of Scripture in context, but it's preaching on it, and it's full of revelation, because it's, it's life-changing. And that's what prophetic teaching is to do in our life. So hopefully, once in a while, something prophetic comes out of me, so that it, it, it's life-changing, because that's what he wants to work in each, of, in each of our lives. And so he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and so, like I said earlier, Paul was, uh, was born a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, his citizenship uh, was, he was a Roman. He was a Roman citizen. And, and we see later on, not in this book, in other books, uh, where his citizenship helped him out because he was being arrested and they, they had flogged him and so forth. And he, he finally said to him, so is it lawful for you to, to flog a, a Roman citizen? And they said, well, you know, and they, they back off in fear because, you know, they didn't, they didn't touch them because of the privileges that he had. And, and the officer in command came to Paul and says, you're a Roman citizen? He says, yes, I am. And he says, well, I became a Roman citizen as well, and it cost me a great sum of money. And Paul says, yeah, but I was a Roman citizen by birth. And so, needless to say, um, they let him go. And because there was there was privilege that went around along with that. And so what, what we see is here we have Paul. Paul was a man of position. I mean, if you look through the book of Acts and you begin to see Paul, Paul was a man that was rising up in the ranks. Paul was the man that was given authority to go into houses and arrest Christians and drag them out and throw them into prison. Paul was a man of position. And when he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he had to forsake all of those things. And then if it wasn't bad enough, he was sent to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. That's, but yet, if there's any name that's in the church that we're familiar with, at least as Protestants, it's the name of Paul probably of, of any man. Uh, we, we respect the, the ministry of Paul uh, more than any other. You understand I mean, man born of man. I'm not talking about Jesus here. He's the, you know. But, but Paul, the man that wrote two thirds of the New Testament, the man that had the revelation of the church, the man that had the revelation of the body of Christ, the man that had the revelation that, that Christ lives in you and me, that the, the victory that's ours. That, that, was, that was Paul. And so uh, the other thing about Paul's ministry, and, and this is true of any ministry, he, he says over and over again that I was not chosen of man. In other words, man didn't place me in my position. God did. You know, it's an, it's an interesting thing to think about um, you know, the Bible records everything accurately. But, how, how do I say this rightly? Because I don't want anybody throwing anything at me. He records everything accurately, but not everything that's recorded is accurate. You know, Job said, "The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." Well, the Lord did not taketh away from Jobeth. It was the devileth. You know, and and so all you have to do is read the Bible, and 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 it, it's very clear that Satan asked for permission to uh, assault Job, but and and God says, "But you can't take his life." And so uh, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But you know, within a, you know, the, the, the entire book of Job takes about um, nine months. And at the end of the nine months, he had, what, was it three times more than anything that he had prior to that. And so everything that he had was restored to him. The thief, he's, he's never changed. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So, <laughs> there, there's a reason behind my amendments. And so, remember when you get into the book of Acts, in the, in the first chapter, towards the end of the, uh, of the, the chapter, um, they decided that they needed to replace Judas. And so, uh, um, Again, they decided that they were going to replace Judas, who was a disciple, who was one of the to be one of the original apostles. And so they um, they drew straws. How's that for technical? And uh, let's let's look at this. I know this isn't. Our message but uh, you know like I said we're, we're gonna we're gonna cover issues as we go along because what's the point of reading a book if you don't understand what's behind the book and and, and why the book is as it is and so in in Acts the first chapter in the 24th verse or 21st verse it says therefore these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John uh, to that day when he was taken up to us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so they're saying that one of these guys that have been with us the whole, they, they decided this. They decided it. And so it goes on in the 23rd verse and it says, and they proposed, doesn't say that the Holy Ghost proposed. It says they proposed. We go go later on in in the book of Acts. And we find that Paul and Silas were, were the, the, the church in Jerusalem laid hands on them and prayed over them to set them into the ministry to which they had already been called. And so when the church laid hands on Paul and Silas to to set them into the ministry of apostleship, they'd already seen it in their lives. And so when they laid hands on them, they simply confirmed what was already there. You know, we we ordain as as a church, we we ordained. You know, there's, there's individuals that we've ordained. We've, um, Sarah in Italy, we ordained her. Um, Sarah and Edward in Honduras, we ordained them. Uh, we brought them before the congregation, and myself and the elders and other pastors that were present. The, um, we, we, we gathered around them the representing the presbytery, and we laid our hands upon them, And we set them into the ministry to which they were called. In other words, we we ordained them because of what we already saw in their lives. That's what they did in the book of Acts. They ordained them into the ministry to which they already saw the fruit of the ministry. And so then, here we come back to Acts 1. And they proposed, I nominate, who, who did they nominate? You know, I can't even remember their names. Um, Justice and uh, Matthias. I, I, I nominate Justice and Matthias. I make emotions, nominations cease. And so nominations are closed. And so now how are we going to do this? Well, I've got two straws. Okay, let's draw straws to determine which one is going to be the apostle. And so it says, and they prayed and said, O, o Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. You have a choice. You know, <clears throat> most of the time, this is how we pray. We pray, Lord, bless what I'm doing. Rather than pray, pray, Lord, what have you blessed? Because I'll tell you something. He's got blessing in your life. Every one of us. And oftentimes, what we're doing is we're out doing our own thing. Rather than saying, here I am, Lord, use me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And the reason for it is, we're afraid of what he's gonna want us to do because I may not want to do that. That's why we're to die, die to self. The other part of it is, if he can call you to do it and he can equip you to do it, then he can give you the desire to do it. And so there's, there's nothing to fear. You know, and so here they are and they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all. You know our hearts. You know we're pure. You know what we want to do, Lord. We just want to please you. So so which of these two, uh, these two you have chosen to take part in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. Man, he just told Judas to go to hell. (laughs) I didn't realize that before. You know, just a thought. You know, revelation knowledge, you know, so. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered among the 11 apostles, and you never hear from him again. Isn't that interesting? You don't ever hear from him again. Don't you think maybe God had a plan, had an idea? And so here rises up Paul. And Paul, you know, he says, I'm the least of the apostles because I never saw you face to face. But yet he did. Because on the Damascus road, he had an encounter with Jesus. And on that Damascus road, He was born again. And a short time later, when he had scales on his eyes, uh, a man was called to come in and lay hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul. You don't call a heathen a brother. He called him a a brother. Brother Saul. It was a a term of intimacy. He He was declaring to all that this man is my brother. Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me. To pray for you, and he prayed for him. The scales from fell from his eyes, and he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that man, that apostle, like I said earlier, wrote two thirds of the New Testament. You know, in in your notes, I have all kinds of other scriptures that you can look up for yourself. You know, I I I really hope you. keep these notes and, and that, you know, on the way out you don't just throw them in the garbage. You know, and it isn't just because I worked on them, but it's, it's because it's, it's full of teaching. You know, if, if I went through every bit of what I'm putting in the notes and what I've studied and so forth, um, we wouldn't have enough time through eternity to cover everything that's in this book. You know why? Because the moment that we'd get done with it, we'd need to start it all over again because the Word of God is that full of truth. And so uh, I just wanna encourage you to, to take the notes and, and, and study them and look at them because I throw in a lot of passages, scripture and so forth, that I know we're, we're never gonna have enough time to get to it, um, but so that you can have it and look at it. Um, but the end of that verse, "In says, um, and, my, and, and Timothy, our brother. And so Timothy eventually became the pastor of Ephesus, which was the largest um, church of the day. And, uh, you know, Paul calls him his, his son, um, loved him dearly, uh, had great significance in his life. But then let's, uh, before we close, let's look at um, verse 2 because I'm not going to cover half the lesson uh, when I have two verses next week. You know, we're, we're going to finish this tonight. And so verse 2 says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who came to Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus our Lord Jesus Christ. Saints. So he says, to the saints. We see... We see two categories of believers here. We see those that he calls saints. Um, Saints are converts that attend church. I know a lot of people struggle with this, but if you've been born again, you're a saint of God. You know, we have um, churches that place people in positions of sainthood and so forth. You have to do a certain degree of things to reach that plateau of sainthood. Well, you're a saint, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. And so uh, every one of us in this room, we are saints. And uh, a saint is one that's in in, and goes to church. It's one that ought to be committed to growth and, and growing in faith. But he gives another category, and he calls them the faithful brethren. And faithful brethren in Christ, which are in Colossae, the faithful brethren are believers committed to serving God and who are growing in faith. You see, if we want to, we can just get born again and just hang out and just kind of squeak into heaven. But why would you want to do that? Because there is so much available to each and every one of us. And that's who he calls these faithful brethren. They're the ones that aren't just showing up on Sunday morning or whatever. You know, this is why I've always, this is why I love Wednesday nights. And I know people think I'm I'm crazy, you know, because we don't have as many people and so forth. But over the years, what I've found is the majority of the people that show up on Wednesday night are there because Sunday morning isn't enough, and they want to grow in the things of God. They want more. They want to to be able to study the Word of God. And so I believe, because I give you the notes and so forth, that it isn't just that you want to do it on Wednesday night, but you want to be able to go through it the rest of the week as well. And so what that demonstrates are faithful brethren. Because what happens to faithful brethren is they begin to serve. They begin to work. They begin to reach out to others. They're live. Becomes a living testimony of what Jesus has truly done in their life. Faithful brethren. And so I speak to you tonight. Saints. Faithful brethren. And then he goes on and he says. Grace to you. And peace. From God your Father. And our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Always precedes peace. You lose your peace and what you'll find is you're trying to do it yourself. You lose your peace. What you've done is you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus and you've got your eyes back on you or you've got your eyes on another man or something but when you keep your eyes on Jesus and you realize for by grace I've been saved through faith not of myself but a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast and so grace is dependent upon Jesus grace recognizes everything that Jesus has already done for you grace by faith, appropriates the completed works of Jesus. Grace be unto you. And so, walk in his grace. Walk in his peace. But we're going to see in coming weeks, it says that we can grow in grace through knowledge. Well, now you're preaching Gnosticism. No, it's knowledge of Jesus. And so, the more you grow in knowledge of Jesus, the more you grow in grace, because you know what's been made available, the more peace you experience in your life. So, go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can even give somebody a hug tonight and tell them you love them.